0: Matthew chapter 5. We're in the middle of a series called The Pursuit of Happiness. We've been talking about the fact um, that Jesus gives us, offers us, makes possible the life that we were made for, that our hearts crave, a life of true, reliable, eternal, constant happiness, of a depth that nothing in our culture can compare and so this sermon that he gives, the Sermon on the Mount, talks about this new life that he's inaugurating into human history. And at the very beginning of it is this section called the Beatitudes, these proclamations of what this life is like. And we've been going through them one at a time because they describe this amazing life that Jesus offers us. Um, they're, they're wonderful news for people like this who have found life in God. Um, and so we're going to go into the next one today as we have the last few weeks. Uh, but before we do, we just want to pray and ask that God would speak to our hearts. So let's pray together. Uh, God, you are good. We are so grateful that we can be here with you together. God, even as we prayed earlier, we know that people bring things into this place, whether it's struggles or frustrations or concerns or dreams and things they're excited about or hopeful for. And God, you know everything that's on our hearts. And so God, I pray that you would give us just an awareness of your presence. I pray you would give us reminders of your care of your wisdom, that you know what's best for us. God, I pray that you would give us a sense of trust and reliance in you and who you are. God, I pray that in light of that, you would speak to us this morning, uh, knowing everything that we're going through, everything that we're carrying, everything on our minds, that you would encourage us right where we're at, that you would challenge and convict us and speak to our hearts. Spirit, you would move in this place wherever everyone is watching, uh, and that you would just be the one speaking this morning. Let us hear from you. In your name we pray. Amen. You are what you eat. Who has ever uttered that phrase or heard that phrase? Yes, this is something that we're familiar with. We usually say that during discussions about developing a healthy diet, or we also may say it when someone is eating the candy nerds. Um, you are what you eat. Um, apparently, the phrase. thank you for connecting with that joke right after that. I appreciate it. The phrase originated during the 1800s when a French connoisseur wrote, tell me what you eat and I will tell you what you are. And You don't have to be a nutritionist to know the truth behind this. He- eating healthy produces health. Eating unhealthy produces unhealthy. So we need to be hungry for the healthy. Now, today is not about dietary habits or anything like that, even though that wouldn't be a bad thing to talk about, but it gets to the idea of what this next beatitude is talking about. It says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Like the previous weeks, what I want to do is I want to break down the concepts in the Beatitude, what this is proclaiming. This is supposed to be wonderful news for those who have found life in Jesus. So why why is this wonderful news? So what I want to do is break down kind of the details of it and then ask that question, how is this and why is this wonderful news? And so it starts off, the very first thing it tells us is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Now, most of us live with the constant experience of being able to go to the fridge or go to the pantry and grab a snack whenever we want. And many of us actually do that. The idea of desperate hunger escapes us. Most of us, anytime we've ever uttered the phrase, I'm starving, we've never been starving. In fact, we've probably been way, way, way away from that reality. But the idea here, though, isn't merely like, hmm, what am I going to eat today? No, the idea is, when it talks about this hunger and thirst, the idea here is, I must eat, and I want this now. Not what next week, not maybe later, I want this, and I'm hungry for this now. Tony Evans describes it as passionate desire propelled by heavy longing passionate desire propelled by heavy longing. When Jeanette was pregnant with our first child, Bailey, um, she would have pregnancy cravings, like pregnant women do. And Jeanette's was Baja Chicken Chalupas from Taco Bell. (laughs) Which I will say, if your wife is gonna have pregnancy cravings, to have to go to Taco Bell is not a bad deal, Um, at least in my opinion. And whenever Jeanette wanted one, it didn't matter what time it was, it didn't matter what was going on. It didn't matter anything that I was doing. She wanted a Baja Chicken Chalupa. Hey, I want a Baja Chicken Chalupa. Okay, but I'm right. I want a Baja Chicken Chalupa. I'm right in the middle of this. I want to, Okay, I'll get it now. It didn't happen all the time. She knew what she wanted, and that's what she wanted. Let's go get the Baja Chicken Chalupa. That's the idea that we get with hunger and thirst this craving for something, this all-consuming, almost desperate desire, I have to have this. But what is the desperate desire, the all-consuming craving for? Righteousness. That we would have that kind of a desire, that we would have that kind of hunger for righteousness. Now that is not a Baja Chicken What is being talked about with righteousness? Well, at its core... The idea of the word means causing someone to be in a proper or right relationship with someone else. Causing someone to be in a proper or right relationship with someone else. Talking specifically about God here. So things aren't as they should be and they need to be set right. Things are fractured and they need to be fixed. Things are broken and they need to be healed. Causing someone to be in a proper or right relationship with someone else. Dallas Willard, he summarizes this beatitude as saying, Wonderful news for those who burn with desire for things to be made right. Wonderful news for those who burn with desire, hunger and thirst, for things to be made right. We need to get back to what's best, to what's right, to what's true. Now, righteousness, this idea, it's it's very complex, And it's really important that we maintain the complexity because to oversimplify it would rob us of its significance, its depth, and its importance. And so there's different nuances that are being talked about when we talk about this idea of righteousness. First, in one sense, the word refers to a right relationship with God. We're brought into a right relationship with God because of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done. Sin is what fractured that, our disobedience is what's broken this, but Jesus is the one who has made it right. He went to the cross in our place so that our sin could be put on him and his righteousness could be put on us, so that the relationship between us and God could be fixed, could be restored, could be healed, could be put back to right. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we can be made right with God through Christ. So we don't earn righteousness ever. We don't work for righteousness. We can't accomplish righteousness. Christ makes that possible and gives that to us. Provides that so that we can be made right with God. So that's the first idea here of righteousness. Right relationship with God. But in another sense, it refers to living that life. It refers to how about we go about our daily lives. That righteousness isn't just getting the relationship back, but it's living that relationship. It refers to, John Stott says, it's the righteousness of character and conduct which pleases God. The right character, conduct, that if God has brought me into this life, here's what that life looks like. First Peter says this in chapter 2, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Because remember, God's way is the best way. The way that God has shown life and created life and guides us in life, that's the best way to live. And so in putting us back right with God, he's putting us back to the way it should be, the best option for humanity. There's nothing else that would compare to what he's giving to humanity. And so in saying so that we can live, we can, uh, so that we might be made right with wrong verse, sorry, so that we would live right, live for what is right, it's living the best life with God as he's made it. So we're brought into relationship, and then we live out that relationship. Kent Hughes says, the one who hungers and thirsts wants the character of the kingdom. He pants after the fruit of the spirit. He wants God's will and all that it entails. And again, not to earn that, not to gain that, because Jesus has given it to us, but it's to live which he's given. I mean, you go, I mean, birthdays, Christmas, all these gifts are under the tree, you've been given this thing, but then to never open it, or to open the gift and then never use it, how many have done that? You know you have, right? Somebody gave you a gift. This thing that you could use at home, oh, this is awesome, thanks, just what I wanted. And then you put it in a closet and it never comes back out. Who's had that experience? I'm not saying admit it so people could know what you did. I'm just saying we, we've done that, right? But that's sometimes how believers treat this life that God has given you. That I have been brought right with God. Thank you for this life, Jesus. I'm just going to set that reality here and then go about things as I was. No, 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 You didn't open the gift then You didn't receive the gift He's given us this right, right life with God And now we live that right life with God Because it's the best possible thing Not to oppress us Not to rob us of anything Not to make us where we're uh, not able to experience the fullness of life The opposite He makes it where we get to experience the fullness of life but The best possible things that we can do He's giving us the life of how we go about our daily lives. Along with these first two, the word also speaks to all of creation being made right. Of all of creation being made right with God. The idea of things being set right to God isn't just about us as individuals. We have a very individualistic society, culture. That's how we process, think, make decisions, and everything. But that's not how the kingdom of God works. And so to say that we want things to be set right isn't just me, but we want everyone to experience the reality of who God is. We want our world to be made right with God. Listen to what the scripture says. Wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. It says in Jeremiah 22, this is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless or the widow. And do not shed innocent blood in this place. Psalm 89, 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. If we think that that the righteousness what Jesus gives us means only about who we are getting into heaven with God and how we are within this, and not making the world the best it could possibly be, that we have bought into an American consumeristic mentality of the gospel and are not receiving the kingdom as it was meant to be. We should, the kingdom of God should be the people that look at the world around us and see things not as they should be, going, that's not as it should be. People shouldn't be treated that way. That shouldn't be how that happens. We, and we, Not just pointing out the problems, but stepping in and bringing in the truth of who God is and a life that he gives, the grace and the mercy and the wisdom, saying, this is the life that God not only has offered me, but he's offering to you. John Stott says this, As we learn from the law and the prophets, righteousness is concerned with seeking man's liberation from oppression, together with the promotion of civil rights, justice in the law courts, integrity in business dealings, and honor in home and family affairs. Thus, Christians are committed to hunger for righteousness in the whole human community as something pleasing to to a righteous God. We have to care about what happens outside of us. And that's a godly thing. That's a righteous thing. So like I said, we have to understand and keep the complexity of righteousness. When we have these three different ideas, we we won't understand the wonderful news if we just go with one of them. If we just think that it's right relationship with God and not the other two, then we're just going to accept this grace, put it in a shelf, and go about the life that we want. If we only focus on how to live our daily lives, we never ask, have we actually been brought into the relationship with God? And we just go through the motions trying to earn something we can't earn. At the same time, if all we do is focus on the last one and making things right in the world, but never calling people to repentance and to receive the life of God then we're just giving them the the benefits without the actual commitment and the life that there is. If you hearing any of these maybe pushes on you and makes you uncomfortable in light of the way that our culture is and the way that even different people talk about it, maybe your understanding of righteousness is more influenced by the world than what the kingdom actually says. For some, the idea that we need to call people to repentance, we need to call people to right living, we need to call people that they would be holy as God is holy, receive this life. Whoa, 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 that really makes me uncomfortable that you would say things about people and call them to do something like that. Well, then you're not truly understanding the gospel. And at the same time, if it's, whoa, 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 why are you talking about the social stuff and what's happening out in the world? We shouldn't be doing that. Then you've bought into a distortion of the gospel. Because it's not either or, it's both to hunger and thirst for righteousness, is to want to receive the life that's given us, is to live this life, and want to proclaim that and let the world experience that as well. What Jesus is talking about here is mainly concerned with the second two, but it's made possible because of the first. We have to take all of it within its complexity. I am made right with God and brought into his kingdom because of Jesus. This life with God Is the best way to live, the most meaningful, healing, joy-filled, peace-saturated, hope-based, purposeful life that humans can live. To be part of God's family is to crave this type of life, to crave, to want others to experience, to want the entire world to know it. Psalm 119 says, My soul is crushed with longing after your ordinances at all times. Psalm 42, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you. Psalm 63, O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. To be a person that follows Jesus is to have deep longing for Jesus. To the life that he's given and wanting to experience it and grow in it and to share it. Ken Hughes says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness long to live rightly, and for righteousness to prevail in the world. Scholar Michael Wilkins says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness desire to see justice executed on earth. They long to experience a deeper ethical righteousness in their own lives, and most of all, they crave God's promised salvation come to the earth. This is what we long for. And what happens when we long for this type of life? The Beatitude says we are satisfied. We are satisfied. Jesus said... To, to a woman, I am the bread of life. He, no, to his followers, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. He said to a woman once, Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. When we crave, when we pursue, when we desire the life that God has given us, and we desire and crave that to be real and more true in our lives, we are going to experience satisfaction, wholeness, filling. We will never be lacking. Maybe that's a heart check right there. As we say that, if we say that we're following God, and things are lacking, we have to ask ourselves: Are we truly craving Him? Because when we crave Him, He provides for us. When we crave Him, He satisfies our hearts. Maybe we are just going through motions, checking boxes, trying to complete tasks and not truly craving the one who has given us life. It is wonderful news for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You will be saved. You will be satisfied. How is this wonderful news? Well, first thing is this. Jesus gives us a life of infinite worth and guides us in how to live it. Jesus gives us a life of infinite worth and guides us how to live it. I mean, Jesus himself says, in John ten ten, the the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. The life that we live, that the, our day to day, will never is best lived, is most satisfyingly lived in the way that Jesus provides it. Unfortunately, the example that we see many times with the church. Is something that no one wants. Because it's really shame-based at times. It's really, or people don't are hypocritical and they say one thing and not the other. But that isn't the life that Jesus gives. It's that's not, we don't want to throw out the idea of this life that Jesus gives because some people haven't done it correctly. I heard somebody give this illustration where if you had some six-year-old who's just starting to learn how to play the flutophone start playing Bach's music, you would be like, oh my gosh, this kid's cute, but this is horrible. <laughs> but you wouldn't stop listening to Bach because that's the, it's the difference between the music and the person who's playing it. I'm not saying in any way that kids messing up on a flutophone equates to church hurt, But the reality is, is that so many people Reject the music that Jesus is providing because of how someone has played it. And if you have experienced that, I'm not downgrading, I'm not dismissing, I'm not rejecting the experiences that you've had, the hurt that you've had, or any of those things because they are real, they are wrong, they should have never happened, and I'm so sorry that you experienced them, and I never want you to experience them here. But don't reject Jesus. Because he he is the music. Reject the musician you heard, but don't reject him. The life that he gives is the best, and nothing else compares. And what you see is a bad example. So come and see what he gives and what he provides. As we go about that day-to-day life, as we go about living with him, this life with Jesus is, like I said, what we're supposed to crave and desire. But too often, we treat life with God like he's a sample and not that he's the main course. We treat him just like we got a little bit of bite of God, like a sample of Costco, rather than him being the main desire. Tony Evans says this, When Jesus speaks of our kingdom value involving a passionate pursuit of righteousness, he is indicating an ongoing priority. He is not talking about a, life, a verse a day that keeps the devil away, or popping open a Bible app and scanning a few passages, or listening to a podcast for a few minutes as you drive. If that's how a hungry person pursued food, that person would be mal- not malnourished in no time. When Jesus speaks of those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he means people who remove the distractions and excesses in life that are not contributing to the pursuit of God. They don't browse multiple menus. They look to and long for God. He gives us this life. We need to be enamored with it. Pursue it. Let it be all-encompassing. Like we sang, every moment, Christ be with me. And before me and behind me in all the different directions. But too often we just take the sample. And we don't become consumed with Him. We have The life that He is giving is better than anything. That means we need to be consumed with him in everything. Yes, and this isn't to say anything wrong about podcasts, the Bible on your app, or any of those different things. But again, it's not just about completing a checklist. It's a deep desire to want to know God, to understand faith in him, that he would be more real in my life, that I would be honoring him in everything that I do, that I would be experiencing this amazing life which he's given me. When that's what you're pursuing, it's the best. And when you're not pursuing it, you're missing out. But you're also lying to yourself that you're following him when reality, reality you're just sampling him. Jesus didn't come to give us a sample. He came to give us everything. Jesus gives us a life of infinite worth and he guides us in how to live it. Leviticus tells us in verse 18, you must not do as they did in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the person who obeys them will live by them. What is he telling us people? Don't do like the culture around you, whether it was where you were coming from or where you're going. Listen to me. Follow me. Don't go with the light the culture is dictating to you. Follow the culture I'm presenting to you. He says it in Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. In the New Testament, in Colossians, as you receive Christ Jesus, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, according to thanksgiving. Jesus never just gave us a ticket into heaven. That is the lamest concept ever. He gave us a life and a life to live. Not just something to put in a closet, but to experience in every day of our life. And there's nothing that the world can present to us that compares to the awesomeness of living with him. So we have to receive that life and allow it to guide us every second of our day. The second thing, the reason why this is wonderful news is that Jesus makes us part of something greater than ourselves. Jesus makes us part of something greater than ourselves. It's not just about us. And when we receive the truth of God's, this life that God has given us, when he's made us right with him, and he's given us life as it was rightly made to be, then we realize that there's more to me. There's more to this world. There's more to this life than just what I'm experiencing in this moment. And yes, what I'm experiencing is really important. It doesn't mean that God says don't worry about the things or care about the things that you're going through. What he says is don't think it's only about you. And it's only about our desires. And it's only about what we think. It's about who he is and people knowing him and people experiencing him. You were put on here that you were brought into the kingdom of God. God made you a very specific way, not just for our own pleasure, but so that the world can experience him as well. He has made us to be part of what he's doing in the world. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and if you've been around here, you've heard me read this verse many times. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed to us, the he committed to us, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul says in that verse, Jesus makes it possible for us to be made right with God and experience the right, best life that Jesus gives. And God's plan A of letting the world know that is you and me. God doesn't need us, but he chooses to go about it this way. He wants to use us. And so in that, you matter. You have a job. You have a responsibility at your work, in your neighborhood, in your school. You are God's plan A to let the people around you know how awesome Jesus is. And if the people around you can't understand how awesome Jesus is around you, you have to ask yourself, how awesome do you think Jesus because maybe that's the reason why the people around us aren't catching on to Jesus. Because we truly haven't caught on to Jesus. He is our plan. He, we are His plan A. He wants the world to know about Him through us. Jesus says, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is why the idea of righteousness and hungering and thirsting for righteousness isn't just you sitting in a room studying the Bible, even though that is a central part of it. It's also you taking what you've learned in the Bible, getting it out in the world, and living those things out. We are the show-and-tell exhibit of Jesus to let the world know who He is and what He's like. He sends us out and says, show them who I am. Tell them who I am. And that isn't just coming along and saying, here's what's wrong with everybody, even though we have to call out things. It's showing through how we live why Jesus is the best possible way. And so how you go about your life matters. We, God wants this world to be different, and he wants that to happen through using us. That's exciting. That's awesome. That should get, yeah, sure, that could put some pressure, and that could feel a little daunting, but anything amazing and wanting to be a part of, is that? And so to be able to join God in what He's doing in the world, that should excite us. God, how are you going to use me? That's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. How can you use me in my neighborhood, in my community, in the city, in this world? That's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And God wants to use you. Let that be something you're excited about. Not just hear me say it this morning. And then just forget it within an hour. Jesus makes us part of something greater than ourselves. And then last thing, Jesus wants us to be guided by grace, not by perfectionism. I think it's really important I say this here at the end. is that as we pursue life, as we pursue righteousness, as we pursue an understanding of Jesus' greater reality of who he is in our life, sharing him with others, we're going to mess up. We're going to do something stupid. We're going to fail. We're not going to do everything that we should. And the Bible tells us that when we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't do these things. We don't pursue righteousness. We don't try to understand more of God. We don't serve. We don't proclaim Him. None of that in order to earn righteousness. Because remember, it's already been given to us. So that's why this idea of perfectionism that should not be in our Mindset as people who follow Jesus. I have to do this or God won't love me is never in God's mind. I have to complete this list or Jesus will not love me is nothing that God has said to you. That's not how the kingdom works. He has loved you perfectly. He's loved you completely. He's loved you constantly and eternally. And so there's nothing that you can do that's going to change that. We do everything we do. We live this life to experience that, not to earn it. And so we have to take that idea, weight of perfectionism off of us. We don't talk about doing and obeying and things like that to earn God. We talk about those things to fully experience Him and this life that He's given us. So remove perfectionism from your mindset. God is not expecting that. He wants you to pursue righteousness so that you can fully know the extent of the grace and life which he's given you. Are you living a life worth what you're craving? The cravings that you have, that which you're longing for in life, is it something that's worth it? Just yesterday, this happened. We, my daughter was talking up this place in our neighborhood. Dad, you got to try these wings. They gave me samples. This place is just so awesome. Let's get food. And she's really, really talking this place up. We were really, really excited to order from there. Have you had that experience? Like, this place is awesome. Everybody's talking about it. We ordered food from them, brought it home. So mad. <laughs> yeah, the wing was good, but the amount of money that I spent and the amount of food that I got, those two did not equal. And it was not that great. And there was things that were supposed to be in the thing that weren't. And there was more. It was just (laughs) bad. No, No stars. It was really, really bad. We've experienced that with food here in the city. You don't want to experience that with life. Which brings you meaning. Which gives you purpose. Which is who you are and who you're becoming. The eternity reality of your soul. And so often people are pursuing and so excited and pursuing these things that are just like our order. It might look good on the menu, but when you actually receive it, experience it in the long run, it's just no stars. But with Jesus, it is he is always satisfying. With Jesus, he always fills. With Jesus, he always comes through. His promises are always sure. And the life he gives you, you're going to be full and satisfied and craving more. But you need to find life in Him. And it's acknowledging, God, I can't do it. I can't fix it. Your way is the best. I'm trusting you to save me. I'm trusting you to forgive me. I'm aligning my life with who you are. If you've never had that moment in your life where you've told Jesus that, not just, again, checking the box, but saying, God, I'm acknowledging your way is best. And it's because of what you did on the cross, Nothing that I did. I want to live with you. I want to live for you. You need to do that today because that's when you truly begin to live. That's when you find this life. That's when you become a follower of Jesus. And He's done everything possible. You just need to receive it. And if you say you have received it, it's time to start craving it. Are you truly hungering, thirsting for God? Because if you're not, then you're not truly experiencing all that he's made possible for you. And God is there going, come on, I want you in on this. I want you to experience this. I want you to live. We need to stop receiving secondhand imitations and only just taking samples. We need to go all in for him, crave him, hunger and thirst for who he is and all that he gives. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much, again, just for who you are. We thank you that you make life possible, that you are the reason why this life is worth it. We do thank you, God, for the joy and the peace and the hope, the purpose, the forgiveness, the grace, the mercy that you give. God, I thank you that you are worth pursuing. I thank you, God, that you are. this life is amazing with you. Forgive us, God, for the times when we don't see them, when we're distracted by other things that... Cause us to forget who you are. For God, when we don't proclaim that, and share it with others. God, I pray that you would give us a deep hunger for you, a deep desire for you. God, I pray that you would make our church hungry, that you would give us a deep desire that we would be like you in all that we are, and that we would experience the love that you've provided and give to us. We ask all these things in your name. We're going to stand and we're going to do this last song. And if you're in here today, go ahead, stand with me. If if you're in here today, and I made that comment, like if you've never had a moment in your life where you said to Jesus, I want to begin following you. I'm acknowledging your ways better. You did everything I needed to happen on the cross. I can't do that. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want new life in you. If you've never done that, then let today be the day that you begin following him. You can pray that right now while the song is going on. If you have questions about that, you want to pray, I, I would love to pray with you while the song is going on. You don't have to wait till it's over. Come out of the pew and just come down here, and I'll sit and pray with you. Or on a connection card, just on the back of it, say, I, I began following Jesus today, or I have questions about following Jesus. But if God's laying that on your heart, don't ignore that. You need to respond to that. So whether you respond in prayer now, you come up and pray with me, Write something down and respond later, but don't ignore what Jesus is doing in your heart because he's offering life to you and you need to receive it. Let's sing this together.